Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. of Rebel Guard Radio. I am your host, KZ. I'll be flying solo the first hour. Uh, Alex Saint decided to go out and have sushi instead of uh, join me on the air. Uh, the first hour of Rebel Guard Radio this week is brought to you by our sponsor, FogCityWrestling.com. Uh, Fog City has a show coming up in San Francisco on April 12th. Uh, I suggest you go out of your way. And before we start the show, I'm going to play a quick pub- public service announcement. I'm doing a show. Right, the My wife Jessica will be participating in the Bay Area Brain Tumor Walk. My wife Jessica has overcome and has been brain tumor free for five months. Jessica is collecting sponsors for this very important charity. And if you would like to donate anything, please visit the website www.firstgiving.com backslash Jessica Trites Man. That's Alrighty, uh, our guest in the first hour of Rubber Guard Radio this week is Northern California Bay Area independent pro wrestler, Jardy France. What's going on, Jardy? Nothing much, I'm just chilling, just getting ready to do this interview. How are you doing? Fine and dandy. It's actually a little cool out here in San Bruno, but uh, where are you at now? Uh, I'm sitting here in San Leandro. I just got done in some round table pizza. And I'm Tremendous. Just, uh, it is kind of windy. Tremendous. Well, we're going to start off the interview how we usually start off with our guests. How did you break into the pro wrestling business? Um, well, you know, um, I did grow up in uh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I was just like everybody else, you know, I was a fan. I used to watch it, you know. And then I went to this guy's wrestling school. His name is Damian Kane. And they trained me for like three months, and then um, he said he was going to, um, like, on vacation for like a month, and he's going to close down the school. And but he did that, but he just never came back. <laughs> and he said he was going to come back. So then um, that started in. I started training in April of 1996, and so. I was out for a minute, and then I went to the school. Um, 
like the Ness brothers, they own, and they didn't really train me. They just let me use their ring, and I worked out with the wrestler Mike Quackenbush, and he trained me. He taught me a lot of the um, lucha stuff and all that. He has his own promotion too, Chikara. And then that's how I started. And then um, I always wanted to come to California, and I sent uh, Roland Alexander and APW. You know, they saw me wrestle, and then they said I could come out there and train and work shows and stuff. So I, so I moved from Pennsylvania out here to California, and um, I started training. I was wrestling real fast for Roland. Mm. So that's yeah, that's, that's where that's where I first saw you as uh, Chicano Flame Number Two. Yeah, that was a gimmick uh, they gave me. I guess you know I didn't really have a lot of gear. I don't know why they gave me that gimmick, but, you know, it was fun while it lasted. It only lasted, like, uh, six months, and then I lost my mask, you know, but working with Chicago Flame was was all good. You know, he's still going at a top level. I saw him at the Fog City show a, a couple of weeks ago with, uh, who did he work? He worked uh, Dylan Drake, and, you know, he can still go for an older guy. You know, it still amazed me that, you know, he could still, you know, kick it into gear. Yeah, I haven't really seen him work lately, Russell, so, you know, I can't say. But, you know, me and him, we trained together back in the day. You know, I saw him at that uh, that uh, abortion called WrestleFest in, uh, when was that? Was that in November, right? Or October? Yeah, that was November. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him there. But, you know, I, no one knew what was going on, so I didn't even go out. You know, I was supposed to go out, and I don't know what the deal with that was. But it was cool, you know, just to be at that place, you know, just to, you know, see faces and stuff. But I haven't seen him go go lately, so I can't really say. Yeah, it, it was it was solid. It was a solid match with, with him and Dylan. And he, you know, he worked as, as a Rudo which was really surprising because I've never seen Chicano Flame as a Rudo. And it was it was interesting. You know, it was it was something different, you know, and I was surprised and, and he could, you know, he could still go cuz he's getting up there in age. You know, he's getting old. Yeah, I don't I don't even know his exact days. I don't know if he's in his 40s yet, but you know, I guess he he works out in the ring a lot at a at a lucha school in Hayward, which I heard and then he uh, plays a lot of soccer, so he's Keeping himself in shape, which is all good. Well, let's let's start out with your with your APW career. You see, uh, you showed up in '98, and do you have any memories of of the guys that you were in the ring at that time with? Working or just in general? Working with in the ring. Um, well, you know, I was blessed enough, you know, to have my first match. APW with uh, Vic Grimes, you know, and he was, you know, he he just saw me working out in the ring one day. I was doing just like hopping up the ropes, doing little flips and stuff, and you know, he just started working with me. And Roland walked into the to the gym and saw us doing like spots and stuff. And Roland was just like, "Oh, you two are gonna have a good match. You two are wrestling the next show." So. That was cool. We had a really good match, too. It was really good. And, um, I mean, it was really cool of Vic, you know, to, like, let me do all the stuff I do. 
Now, are we allowed to swear, or do we have to watch our language? Oh, you can you can let loose, brother. We're live on the internet. There, <laughs> please let's uh, go. Uh, I mean, a lot of wrestlers, you know, they don't want to do shit. I mean, he, for him to do that, you know, he's I think he's 28 now, right around my age, and I was like 18, and just let me do all that shit, you know, that was pretty cool. And of course, he fucking killed me too, so. <laughs> But that match was tight, and then uh, I got to wrestle Daniel, Christopher Daniels, too. We had a good match. He let me do all this stuff. That was a, you know, that was a lot of stuff we did. And then I wrestled Modest, which, um, you know, we didn't do a lot of stuff, you know, because Modest, you know, he was the head trainer. We did, you know, go over some stuff, but he pretty much wanted us to um, just work in the ring. But we still had a good match. And then I wrestled... uh, Crash, Leprechaun, God rest his soul. You know, our match was pretty decent. You know, probably could have been better. You know, I, I went, I tried to do a dive through the ropes. My foot got caught. And uh, I just remember that bad part. But I remember we did a lot of good spots, too. And I was lucky enough, you know, to wrestle guys like that for, like, my first five or six matches. You know, think about Vic Grimes, Mike Mollis, Christopher Daniels, Leprechaun. You know, that's just a... That's cream of the crop. Yeah, wet dream. Yeah, no doubt. And they were they were all pretty cool, you know. And then, um, and I, you know, I started out training, and you know, Bison Smith, he he was training with me too. And it took him. Let me think. How long did it take him to wrestle? It took him less than a year too to wrestle. And. uh He's a natural athlete, you know, he's big time now in Japan and Puerto Rico, but, you know, he's a pretty natural athlete, you know, because he played uh, football at the University of Colorado. So, I mean, uh, those guys, were, you know, they were pretty cool to me, considering, you know, I was a rookie and stuff. So, that's, what, that's about 98. Now, you know, going to 99? Uh, mm-hmm. So, 1999, so, who would I work to? I'm trying to think. I worked to Daniels again. We didn't have that good match because, like, he drop-kicked me, and I was standing on the outside. Like, he baseball side drop-kicked me. I took a bump, and I, like, smashed my head against the gym floor. It was, um, it was at a gymnasium in tennis, and so I had a concussion. You know? And then, uh, 99, I wrestled, uh, you know, Jeff Peterson, God rest his soul, too, he, he died. I, I think he died of, like, cancer or something. Cancer, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrestled him. We had a really good match. He was a cool guy. I remember he's, like, he's just a really cool guy. And uh, now he's dead, which is unfortunate. But we did, like, a hardcore match in uh, San Jose. I don't know if you saw that match. Did you see that match? That's, no. uh, after I lost my mask, you know, I actually lost my mask to Chicano Flame in a mask versus mask match. Well, Chicano said that was his best match ever, and it was a pretty good match. And I became the, the fly daddy, you know, I was with Jimmy Rip and, uh, and Tony Jones and stuff. What so, happened to Jimmy Rip? I don't know. I just think, uh, you know, he just got sick of the politics and stuff. I mean, a lot of people, 
I don't know why. They gave him a lot of shit for just because, you know, and he didn't want to take it, you know, and people kept wanting to give it. And, you know, sometimes in wrestling, you do got to take shit, you know. And I'm kind of like Jimmy T. I don't like taking shit, but, you know, I don't know. I think it's like um, something about the payments or something. I don't know. You know, he's a pretty decent wrestler, I thought. Yeah, I... Well, I didn't think he was too good in the ring, but he was a hell of a character in and out of the ring. I've spent a good amount of time with him, and uh, Jimmy is a good guy. You know, you got to get to know him. You know, but if yeah. you know, he's a little rough around the edges until you really get to know him. Yeah, I was, I was, I was friends with him for for a while. I just last time I see him, I think was like oh, and he he did some Jim or shows, but you know they. For some reason, they tried to bury him and shit, so just the way the business is, you know, you got people trying to bury people sometimes. I don't understand it. Well, um, we're going to uh, we're going to skip ahead to, uh, see, 2002. Um, let's discuss the program that you had with Super Dragon, which I think put both of you on the independent pro wrestling map. Um, what are your memories of the the singles matches you've had with him and the tag matches you've had with him. Um, yeah, Super Dragon's a really good wrestler, you know. He he blew up more in the Indies than I have yet. I still plan on blowing up. But, um, you know, our matches were... I mean, sometimes, you know, we did basic stuff, you know, but it was always solid, and sometimes we went all out. I think our... Um, singles matches, they probably could have been better, but we kind of, like, we did work a lot of match stuff and stuff, and, uh, you know, it could have been better, but they were always pretty solid. They're solid, you know. I, I might have, my point, I sh- probably should have put more effort. You know, I try to put, in, in 2002, I was, like, like, I used to have this, this thing, like in 2000, people were telling me, oh, you're doing too much shit in your matches and stuff, so in 2002, you know, especially in the singles matches and stuff, I, I tried to, you know, just do a little bit in the match, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if you're a wrestler, you, don't, you, you understand what they're talking about. And I didn't, like, put my whole effort into it. I, like, did, like, two two big moves and just did a bunch of match shit, especially in the singles matches. So I thought our matches were good, but, you know, I looked at them at tape, but everybody's like, yeah, yeah, they're awesome. But I know deep down in my heart they could have been better. And then, but I think the tag matches, especially, mm-hmm. 2002, especially in 2003 and stuff, when I tagged with Bobby, I wrestled like Super Dragon and D-Boy a lot. Those matches, they were really good because, you know, I wanted, you know, I knew everybody wants to get their shit in. I know I'm going to have to up it to make myself look good in the match, so... I did all my sh- my shit in those matches, too, just because, you know, I didn't want to look like the weak link in the match. You know, I wanted to look strong. So yeah, I, I, I would was... say those those tag matches the from uh, Golden State, those, they were great. They were, uh, one was voted SoCal Uncensored Match of the Year 2002 and 2003. Those were some great matches. Um with the talent that was in there, uh, you, Mr. Quants, uh, Dragon, and B-Boy, you know, 
I was kind of surprised that you guys didn't take that on the road more around the country. Um, this was this was part of. I mean, those guys for some reason I didn't on the Indies as far as as far as some of them, but um, I know at one point um, CZ Boy worked for CZW and they asked us to work for them. Mm-hmm. Me and Bobby said at that point we said no because we were going to go work for XPW. And we only worked for them twice. And XPW, I mean, they paid us good. <laughs> and when they gave us cash and they gave the half check, which never cleared, but they, they you know, they, they bribed us with, like, this good deal, telling us we're going to get contracts and all this stuff. And I think, right, like, right after that, they're like, um, the P-Boy asked us to work for CZW, and we said no, which I regret because I've always wanted to work there. And eventually, hopefully, I will. But, uh, you know, uh, taking on the road, I mean, I would have went, but, you know. We were supposed to go up to Canada to do something. And uh, it just didn't go through. So I think Super Dragon went to uh, Japan when that happened. So, you know, bad time. Yeah, I, I, I thought that 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 program, um, the tag program, you know, would have been great if you guys, you know, could have brought it, brought it around the horn, you know, to different companies. But um, I was actually really surprised when uh, you and Bobby chose not to go to uh, CZW. But um, who did you work as a team in XPW? We worked um, Quicksilver and Scorpio. Okay. Mm-hmm. And somebody actually just put that matchup on the internet. Um, couple of days ago I just did a quick search of my name so if anybody wants to look that up go to YouTube and type in my name Darty France and you'll see that match it's a it's a good solid match we didn't do all of our shit but they only want us to go like six minutes five minutes because it's like on TV it's different work on TV and it's just like an indie you know what I mean yeah, they were on TV they fought to boom boom but it's a pretty good match and then uh, the next night we worked uh M Dog Twenty and Josh Prohibition, which was a really good match. And the, the owner of the company, Rob Black, came and was like, "Yeah," and his wife, "Good job, good job, good job." You know, I thought we thought we were gonna get a contract with them, but I guess their company ended up folding like right after we wrestled there, which sucks. Well, what are yeah, you gonna? Uh, that Aerial Express match with uh, you and Bobby was on My Bloody Valentine LA Night One. So for and I think it might be season two of the TV if I remember right. So just uh, go out of your you could uh, you could find that probably on you know eBay or Amazon or whatnot because it was an actual DVD release. So you might be able to find it. If not, it would probably be on season two of the TV that just came out. Um, Sorry to cut you off there, Jardy. Um, just wanted to give the you know give the fans a chance to uh, you know go out of their way to see that stuff because those are two quality teams, Aerial Express and uh, and uh, Uthazania. So um, after you did the shots with XPW, um, what did you end up doing? Well, um, well, we didn't hear back from I guess the company, so we just worked. Uh, we worked like with Super Dragon D-Blade because they were trying to tell us, like, if you work for us, you know, you guys can't work anywhere else in L.A. And mm-hmm. I was I was kind of fine with that at that point. They were going to pay us like they said they are going to pay us, but, you know, 
they, they we got a bad check from them. We got half the money in cash, half the money in check. So um, I was just like, you know what? Forget these guys. You know, I'm gonna work where I want to work. As, as long as the two people are paying me. Um, we worked, you know, that GSW Golden State Championship, mm-hmm. and then we worked. Uh, I know after that, Bobby went to um, Mexico for a while with the Pitbulls, yeah. And uh, what I did in 2003, I was pretty much just just an indie guy, and uh, I was getting real popular, and then I dislocated my elbow when I was back, and I was out for a while, and I kind of fucking, like, really halted my career because I was about to hustle Sanjay Dutt, and I think, you know, that we would have had a good match. I would have really would have elevated me. It was just right when I was hot, I just got injured. And, you know, I was out for, like, two months. That slowed the momentum. So... That kind of sucks. But what are you going to do? Part of the business. There you go. And uh, so after your your injury, uh, you came back. Were you still taking shots with with All Pro? Yeah, I worked All Pro for a while. Um, I went to this company. I guess it was it was based out of uh, it was at one show in New York. I think XPW ran. It was like LXW Lucha Extreme Wrestling. I remember mm-hmm. they flew hella fools. Like Super Dragon was out there, the the um, Aerial Express, me, Zorkin and Phoenix Star, they flew a hell of people out. We went to New York City and worked just one show. They didn't draw good though. They had a lot of names too. I mean, they had a huge ass building, but they I don't even know how many people they drew. They probably a lot, but they were probably expecting like thousands, you know? Mm-hmm. Probably five hundred or something. But it was such a big building and uh um yeah, I worked, and then I started. I worked a couple PWG shows, and uh, in the '04, um, '04 was pretty good to me. Um, you know, I worked some PWG. I was pretty much working a lot of APW and training and stuff. I was training this guy Dana Lee. Oh yes, and we had good. this match where we did a, a stop. You know, we were working on it. We actually it was on Christmas Day. He. he he had to go to the gym on Christmas to pick something up, and he took me along. And, you know, I just came up with this idea that, you know, I'm going to bring out a knife in our match, and we're going to do a spot with it. So we did a spot where I tried to actually look like I tried to kill him with a knife. And some people got hella mad about that because we didn't tell anybody. So, but, you know, I, I wanted to see the people's reaction. You know, that's part of wrestling. So I did a lot of training in '04, and then uh, I got to uh, I got to go to this uh, small Japanese promotion, it was like Hokuto Pro Wrestling, and I went with JJ Perez. You guys know who he is, right? Oh yeah, JJ. We went over there and we killed it over there. We did hella good. The dude was giving us extra money because we were having good matches. It was really good, you know, and. Uh, I went over, Agent Cougar brought us over, and we went over there. It was cool. We partied over there a little bit. You know, I told them, don't get me drunk, but they got me drunk. (laughs) So, you know, I had some fun over there. Well, you brought him up. What are your feelings on Agent Cougar? I I think he's he's very underrated. He doesn't doesn't get the the proper love that he should. Um, He's really talented. Uh, what are your feelings on Cougar? 
I worked him. How many times have I worked? I think I only worked him. I worked him once in Japan, once in America. I thought I was solid. He was good, nice guy. You know, um, he does he does some risky shit like that. Swanton Eddie Guerrero roll the ring, and you know, I don't know his reputation in Japan. I, I don't. Even though I've been to Japan a few times, I I don't understand Japanese people that well. <laughs> so. I, is he underrated in Japan? I'm not sure. He he doesn't get booked on on many of the bigger indie shows, and and you don't see him. You know, you see him on like really really small, like not even Osaka Pro will book him. It's it's kind of strange. You you see him see him on these um, Karukin Hall shows that draw like 500 people. You know, I, I don't understand what the what the issue is. I mean. Yeah. I, Wrestling, you know, like right now, dude. I'm only like working um, in one promotion, really in Fresno. I live in the Bay Area, and so it's just there's a lot of politics in wrestling. You know, maybe he pissed the wrong person off. It's just like it's a lot of politics. You know, I I should probably be wrestling almost at every every place in the Bay Area, but just the way it goes sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm I'm looking at the the World Pro Wrestling uh, Martins promotion down in the uh, Anaheim uh, flea market, and you were entered in the Best of the West 2003 tournament. Um, you defeated Preston Scott in the first round, and in the second round, you had a match with the professional Scott Loss. What are your feelings on Scott in the ring? Scott Loss, I think he's really good. He's uh, he's really solid. Um, I just think he's good. I mean, I've wrestled him probably like I think two or three times. Every time has been a solid match. He's quick, you know. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a good cruiserweight, good speed, you know. He's just solid. I think he's good. Yeah, um, I was in San Diego this past weekend, and uh, my my friend's company, New Wave Pro Wrestling, down there. They brought in Scott, and he worked uh, with one of their one of their better flyers, uh, Ariel Star, and they stole the show with their match. Uh, Scott was such a great punk type heel; it was just amazing stuff, and. You just you don't see a bad Scott Lost match, you know what I mean? He's able to adapt to whoever he's in the ring with. Yeah, you know he's a solid guy. But, uh, yeah, that's what you want, guys that can do that. I mean, I can pretty, I'm pretty much like I can adopt adapt any style like him. But I know what you're talking about, you know. Um, guys like that, you know, like. Um, are good because, you know, if I wrestle anybody, dude, I'll pretty much do whatever you want as long as it's pretty much safe, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll let it, I'll bump for a young guy. You know, I've been wrestling for a while now, and I, I don't really care. I'll bump for, for you know what I'm saying, for anybody pretty much. And I think that's the way it should be. That's how you have the best matches most people work together. So um, since you've moved out here, have you gone back east at all to do any work? Uh, I went to New York City to wrestle for that promotion, but not really. 
I know I was going to go to CZW. I mean, fucking HPW said they were going to take us to Philly, but, you know, that never happened. Eventually, I'd like to. Cool, cool. Um, have you ever worked for UPW in Southern California? No, never worked for them. Probably not big enough. Probably not big enough. I have worked oh, for... Um, you, you've PW. outlived them, so... You've outlived them. They're done? He's dead. Yeah, they're gone. Um, Rick Bassman got out of the pro wrestling business and got into the mixed martial arts business. So, you outlived them. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to bring up a couple names, and I would like your honest opinions about them. Um, uh, my, pers- my personal favorite indie worker ever, Mike Modest. Mike Modest. Um, my personal opinion on him, uh, he's a well, he's a really good wrestler. He's, I mean, he knows he he partly he trained me a little bit. He knows what he's doing, you know. Um, he's a, he's an angry guy though. Sometimes <laughs> he flips out on people for no reason. Um, I've seen him just fucking yell at our whole class for like nothing. But uh, I think he's like a great wrestler, kind of like Dean Malenko. And uh, that's really about it. I mean, he was really cool to me when I first got to the wrestling school. But other than that, I mean, good wrestler. Cool. Um, you see, I'm going through the uh, some of the APW uh, results here, and it. It shows that you worked in the King of Indies 2001. Yeah. And in the first round, you went up against AJ Styles. Any yeah. memories from that match? Um, I thought it was a good match. Um, it was, I mean, it was a pretty good match. It was, I didn't realize how much of a star it was going to become. Well, I thought someone told me it was a star like before that. I didn't really... In Georgia, yeah. In Wildside, yeah. But you know, other than that, he you know he didn't quite blow up yet. I think it would have been. It was. Did you see the match? Oh yeah, definitely. I thought it was good, but I thought they gave us. They wanted us to go to, and I thought if it would have been like a little shorter, a little shorter, it would have been like boom, 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 boom. But they tried to Mm -hmm. give us. I think they gave us too much time. I mean, a lot of people thought it was the best match of the night, but I just thought it could have been better if it was. If they would have gave us less time, but they really wanted us to fill that time. I guess it was the last matches or something. But the thing I really like, think of that match, and we do shit. I'm not doing a flip over the post without touching anything, and uh, I remember him. Uh, you know, he's just he's just solid on everything, pretty much. That was a that was a solid solid tournament, and so many guys you know really made their names and their bones there. Um, Ring of Honor was born out of that tournament. Um, it's just I mean you look at the lineup I mean it's just a who's who and you know and I I would love to have known what the payroll for that tournament was. I don't know I heard. Uh, Roland probably lost his ass on it. Probably. Because, 
Um, you know, nice. There weren't that many people there. Yeah, but it it. I don't understand. I mean, with all this talent, um, the, even the legends that they had in attendance and everything, and why it didn't draw, I, I don't know. You know, I I guess it may have been the venue or it was yeah, in I mean, Vallejo, right? On a Friday night, people people drive all the way out there. You know, it's kind of like. It's on an island. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere on a Friday yeah. night, Friday Bay Area traffic's crazy. You know what I'm saying? No. So, I mean, that's so, probably the... Maybe so you think it would have managed. drawn better if it were in, like, a, a high school in San Leandro? Maybe the first night. I mean, second night, there were a lot of people, you know, because people could get out there on a Saturday. But, you know, maybe you should have ran it, like, one night here. That might have been better, but, you know... Maybe it was cheaper that way. He did it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't. I don't know how to run promotions yet. <laughs> but uh, he. Um, I mean, it, his first night was good. I mean, I was in, in the first night, and uh, I thought everybody. Everybody pretty much did a good job that night. Okay, let's see. I'm looking through here, and we have the the APW Jim Wars or the APW show. Welcome back, which was a modest match back after going to WCW. You were matched up with one of my personal favorites, Vinny Massaro. What are your feelings on Vinny? Vinny, um, in the ring, mm-hmm. he's uh, you know, he knows what he's. Doing. Doing all the basics and shit, and you know, he comes up with innovative moves. I think he'd be better if he got in, um, you know, better shape. You know, I'm not saying like a bodybuilder. I'm just saying he dropped a few. You know, of course he'd naturally be faster. Because I remember when he did drop some, he was really fast. But he really knows what he's doing. Like you now, as a as a trainer and as a um, as a wrestler, he knows how to. You know, he does devastating moves, but he, he keeps you safe. And, you know, he is kind of stiff, but, you know, what do you expect when, I don't even know how much he weighs now. I remember back, I think he weighed like 250s. I think he's like 260, 270. Yeah, we had really good matches. You know, he dropped me on my neck and shit, and I was doing a high fly. So, you know, we put a lot into those matches, so I think... He's a good wrestler. He probably, I think he could probably be, if he really got dedicated himself to getting in shape, he, he'd probably be one of the top indie guys right now. No. I I personally like his like his team of uh, the cartel with, with Big Ugly, J.D. Bishop. Um, they're really, really good together. Um, yeah. Have you, have you ever worked with them. J.D.? Yeah, I wrestled them one time. Oh, me and Joe Applebaum, they did their... Their finisher to me. I don't even know what the hell it actually looks like, but everybody said it looked awesome. So it was, it was all good. I mean, fucking, isn't it like a, like a um, Canadian destroyer from the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we had a pretty solid match with them. Me and Joe Applebaum wrestled them. Big Joe. Well, well you brought him up. What do you think of Pogo the Clown? I love Joe. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's like, I was an XPW. He was real cool to me. Um, 
You know, I rode down with him. I'm working a lot in NAW Fresno. I went down with him. He's just a cool guy, you know. He He's like, um, he's really respectful to me, like, you know, since I've done some stuff. I mean, I've been like a big pro, but I've done a little bit in the business, and he, he respects me. He's, he's a solid guy, and I'll take your head off at the clothesline. Yeah, no shit. He's a fucking monster. You know, yeah. I, I would love to have him next to me in a bar fight, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, me too. He's a monster. I'm uh, looking at um, APW Christmas Chaos 2002 for uh, the APW Internet title. You, Bobby Quantz, and Super Dragon in a three-way 60-minute Iron Man match. Any um, uh, memories of that match? Yeah, I hurt. <laughs> I hurt my leg. I hurt. I got hurt a little in that match, and uh, I was only in like 15 minutes of it. They did the, all the work, you know. I I tried to come out and do some. I had to go back. I just tweaked myself a little, and then I tried to come out, but it was mostly them doing all the shit. So I don't really have that many memories of the match, except I hurt myself a little. Could have been better for my part, but that's how it is in wrestling. If you get hurt, you get hurt. What are you going to do? Yeah, I wrestled. We had a match the next night, and I wrestled it. I was fine. Oh, that was the uh, Germs NorCal Golden Gate Invitational? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. that was another like thing with me, Quantz, Dragon, and uh, B-Boy. You know, yeah. we were all in that tournament, and we, we lit it up that night. I think Bobby, Bobby or B-Boy, I don't know who won, won that tournament. I know they were in the I final. Was, I think it was Bobby. It was Bobby and B-Boy in the final, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was a pretty... It was... Well, all right. It was a good show, but I, I wasn't happy about uh, Nikki being in the tournament. Nikki? But that's just... She was? I, I don't even remember if she was in the yeah, tournament. She had, uh, she had Bobby in the first round. So was that a good match? It was, it was but I'm I'm not one for for men and men and women going unless it's Sarah Del Rey or cheerleader Melissa. Other than that, never mind. But the Nikki is Sarah Del Rey. Oh, that's right. You know what? You're right. <laughs> that was on. a good. I don't know if it was a good match, but maybe uh. I think they're trying to save money, too. I mean, she's a pretty good wrestler for a girl. But she's good for a guy, too. But, uh, exceptional. She, um, you know, maybe you could have brought in someone. I don't know. But, you know, as long as they had a good match, you know, I'm cool with wrestling a girl. You know, I've done matches with girls, and we've had good matches. So, like I said, I don't mind bumping for, for a girl as long as you know, you put some effort into it. Have you ever gotten in the ring with the Brown Bomber, Robert Thompson? Yeah, I wrestled him a bunch of times. We've done some good stuff. Um, he's solid, you know. You know, me and him, he gave me a tombstone off the second, standing on the second row. Sit-down tombstone, so they fucking pop big time for that. That's just the one I remember Robert the most, because I trusted him enough to give that to me, you know. And... I think that guy, if he put more effort into it, that'd be the real deal. 
I don't think it's I don't think it's effort, brother. I I don't think it's effort. I I think he, you know, he did have an opportunity to replace Mustafa in the Gangsters in ECW, but he just yeah. he didn't want to leave his family. That's what I yeah, think. Yeah, I You know, he's that's what takes up, the world. That's what takes up his time. The time, but if he went, if he really went in, like if he went to practice so like three times a week, that guy was just, he'd be amazing. He just has a daughter, and he, you know, I guess that's that's his first responsibility. I'm th- thank thank God I don't have any kids, because you know, wrestling is like really what I what I'm planning on doing, what I want to do. That's what I want to do in my life, and I put a lot of effort into it. Like after I'm done talking to you, I'm gonna go down and practice right now. So you know, I, I'm. Well, um, uh, Go ahead. Are you uh, are you trying to hook up with any of the newer companies up here in Northern California, like Fog City or uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution? I mean, I don't know about Pro Wrestling Revolution, but uh, I mean, I'll hook up. I think I even sent Pro Fog City an email or something or MySpace. But pretty much, I'm available for any promotion right now, as long as it doesn't involve the dates I'm, I'm booked on. Because, you know, I got injured pretty bad. I went to Japan when I was six, and I injured my knee, like, in my first match. I was already injured, and I just worsened it. And I was out for, like, over a year, you know. I mean, it took a long time for me to recover. And, um, you know, um, tried to get started back up. My first match from my recovery, you know, I mean, if you want to backtrack, you want to keep going, um, we can talk in 04. I'll go back to 06. 04, you just, we dropped off at that after I came back from Japan. After I came back from Japan in 04, um, I knew I was going to Mexico. And that was like the best feeling in the world. So I went to Mexico. Uh, Anesma, did you ever hear that promotion? Oh, yes. So... I went there with these um, guy uh, Mike Knox mm-hmm. and Derek Knight. You know those guys? Oh yeah, of course. And I went with uh, M Dog Twenty, was the guy I would wrestle, and we went to Mexico, and it was it was pretty good. We were, um, you know, we got to go on TV and shit. Um, like when we first got there, dude, it was like this is weird. Like I was like we were. They picked us up in the airport in like a Pinto or something, and uh, it was just weird. I was down there when I first got there. I flew down with uh, Derek Nykirk and Mike Knox, and we went into the um, like we got there and they had a sign for us, and then um, we met like the promoter at a park or something. And he talked to us and they flew us and they didn't fly us and they drove us to this like um, restaurant. And the, I guess the owner of the promotion or something, he li- it seemed like he was a mob guy or something. Like, we had this hella nice restaurant, but it's like, he was like the only person in there, and he had these girls. And I don't know if they're transvestites. I don't, they didn't look like it, or bodybuilders. He said they were bodybuilders. They were bigger than me, but they weren't bigger than those two other guys. And then, like, they were kind of making fun of me, the two, Mike Kirk and Knox, that those girls were bigger than me. And, uh, but they were a hell of them, and they, we just ate, and it was cool, and then 
M Dog came like in the middle of the night at midnight, and then uh, we went in. Uh, so that was a Thursday. When we got there, and then on a Friday it was our first match. We went in there, and me and M Dog we just did our stuff together, and we tore it up pretty good. And then Mexico, it was really good. <coughs> One of the headhunters was there too, and he was hella cool. You know, and they had a lot of people there, like psychosis and stuff. So it was cool. But we stayed at this, the first, like, couple of days, we stayed at this hotel, dude. It was, like, a ghetto, man. It was, like, really ghetto. Like, the inside hotel was actually kind of nice, but outside, it was ghetto. It, like, made Oakland, like, look pretty nice. It was, it was that bad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had to go out to get something to eat, but we all stayed together. We I wasn't there with the Mexicans, but those other guys, they couldn't. Especially the two tall, they're like six five, shit, and they're like, yeah, that tall and buff. All right, so, buddy, we are uh, we're running a little low on time in this segment, so I would like to thank you for coming on the air and and sharing your experiences and your stories. And uh, is there a way that any promoters out there that are listening uh, could get a hold of you, get you booked? Um, they can reach me at MySpace, my MySpace, or they can reach me at my um, email address. It is J-A-R-D-I-X-Y-Z-J-J-J at Yahoo.com. And um, I don't even know my exact uh, MySpace address, but, I mean, they can uh, friend, they can look at your site and then hit me, because I think I'm your friend now, aren't I? Yes, sir. Well, let's go with uh, myspace.com backslash J-A-R-D-I-H-I-G-H-F-L-Y. Jardy High Fly. All right, and I'm doing a couple shows. Um, I'm doing a show March 29th, NAW in Fresno. I'm doing another show April 6th, um, NAW, and I'm doing another show um, April 12th in Alameda. So, if you guys want to see me? Cool, cool. All right, uh, Jardy, thanks for your time, brother. I really appreciate having you on. We're reminiscing about the old days in All Pro, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again uh, closer to the dates of some shows, and we can get stuff plugged up for you. Um, thank you for your time, brother. It was my pleasure. All right, thank you. I really appreciate it. And, uh, good luck with your radio gimmick and stuff. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jardy. All right, that was Northern California independent worker, Jardy France, and I would like to welcome to the air my tag team partner and co-host, Alex Saint. What's going on, boss? What's going on, man? What's going on? Are you done with your sushi? Are you done done with your sushi? done with my sushi, and I promise I won't slap anybody tonight. (laughs) Tremendous. Did you happen to get uh, something in your mailbox? Uh yes, I got the, I got a couple DVDs in the mail today, and I'm anxiously awaiting watching them. I'm so back back uh, I'm so backed up on DVDs right now; it's ridiculous. But yeah, I definitely got to watch that face off. That face off looks so awesome. Oh, it's great. Um, what else was in there? Was there a, a card in there? I think. Oh yes, I I got a actually I got a I got a card from uh the KZ family, which I greatly appreciate, and then um. I got a box from my mom, which I greatly appreciate too. I oh, even wow. 
I forgot it was Easter until like right off, right before I got off work because we're not getting it off. So I was like, "What? Is a holiday this weekend? What's going on?" So yeah, that's that's me. Yeah, so you went to this new wave show on Saturday. I, I mean, we we heard about uh, the, the Good Fox City show that uh, I missed out on and uh, might be going to the next one. But you went to the new wave show. Let's, let's talk about it, man. Oh man, I gotta say it. Ariel Starr and Scott Law stole the show in the ring. But you, my man, are an over-fucking-heel. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you, but I love you too. But I hate you. I gotta say, it, was, it, was, it was a great show. I mean, uh, we had uh, the big battle bottom. royal. What's that? Top to bottom. Oh, I, I don't know if it was a great show. It was, it was no, a great show. No, I don't want to no, say Alex. great. Hey, Alex. You were in the fucking locker room. <laughs> okay? So, shut the fuck up. Other than okay. other than the DeMarco garbage, it was a great match. It was a great show. Other than the second match, everything else was solid. Uh, the guys were well-trained. They all worked well. Um, but I, I have to say that the actual star of the show was Precious Rick Ellis. Um, that kid, he if he keeps working, keeps working hard... He is going to be a fucking star, and and his size will not go against him. I mean, he nailed that diving headbutt from one corner to the other, and then he he nailed a beautifully clean 450 splash. And you know, hey, I got to put the kid over, man. It was fucking solid. Oh but, yeah, yeah. I, I I trained with him. I'm still amazed at uh, a lot of the shit he can do. But I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Just come out, come out and see and see a show. I mean. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know what people want to go to shows for in 2008, but if you just want to go and have a good time and cut back and uh, you're not worried about work rate or any of that other made-up words, just come to, come to a New Wave show. It was fun, Alex. You know, What's I was that? a fan again. <laughs> I mean, you that's know, what it's I'm all like about, you know. Fun. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, you know. I mean, you weren't out there with a notebook, you know, saying, oh, that was a three-star match, that was a four-star match. Nah, I... You just went out there and, you know, you had a good time, you know. That's what it's about, man. It's not about, you know, sitting down critiquing shit and all this. No way, man. You know, I, I yelled at the line. That's what that, that's for that <laughs> SoCal Pro show, that San Diego Premier Wrestling Company, that's when you that's when you give uh, match ratings to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got an awesome show coming up, though. I tell you what, this oh, Saturday, yeah. this Saturday is going to be awesome. That is Mandel going to do it? Is Mandel going to do it? Ah, oh, Mandel. Mandel lasts longer than me in that battle royal. That pissed me hey, off. Hey, you know, you know, the guy who had the the sweetest looking gear that night was the Master Joe Bear. Oh shit! You know what, Master Joe Bear? His his gear was pretty awesome. I think that'll be the last San Diego ever sees the Master Joe Bear. But he did have some pretty sweet gear. And actually, if you go to my MySpace, I took a picture with him backstage because I mean he doesn't. He only wrestled one match against Ryan Stone, and then he's like a legend in San Diego. But then uh, he was actually backstage. He, he's like one of those old-ass luchadors. Like, he comes to the back with his fucking mask on, and he won't take it off and whatever, but he's like a legend. So I took my picture with him, and then, um, yeah, he's got some sweet gear, though. But Mandel has some sweet fucking gear, too, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well... What what did you think of the Battle Royal? What did I think of the Battle Royal? Oh, I was... <laughs> I can't say that. But 
the the battle royal the battle royal it, it seemed like it was fun. I mean, um, I was in there for a little bit. Uh, Big nasty as Watts tried to invite him into Team Saint. That bastard turned his back on me. Hey, you know what, man? That's a big fucking kid. And you know, I heard I heard he gave a border toss to somebody. I heard he gave a border toss to somebody. Yeah, to uh, was it Johnny Mahal? No, it was it was the Jameson Stafford. Yeah, he he gave a damn. Oh yeah, killed him. Somebody. Yeah, I heard he gave him the border toss, and I mean, I can't wait to see the damn thing on DVD. I don't know how widespread this thing's gonna be distributed, but uh. I know, I know. We're probably gonna do a DVD on it. I know that's in the works. Like it, it was in the works for the first show, but like I think this is gonna be a little bit more reliable. I think, I th- and actually, I think we might start putting out little, uh, little DVDs. So, well, you know, I, I was, that was the first time that I've seen Eric Watts live, and I was impressed. How old is Eric? Eric, he's, uh, he's younger than me. That bastard. He's like twenty-two or twenty-three. Jesus, and he's not done growing, Alex. No, he's not. Like his dream is to get to Japan, and like he's got the size for it. I mean, Jesus Christ! Kind of like a Sylvester Turkai type predator kind of gimmick, you know? Yeah, yeah. Running through the crowd, throwing chairs at people and shit. I could see it oh. with this huge ass, you know, big ass fucking super afro. I could see it. I've never seen a man that looked like him other than Andre the Giant in the 70s when he had that big-ass afro. He was a white man. I've never seen a black guy that big with a big-ass afro. Then he's awesome. Eric Watts is an awesome guy. Break K-Fabe. He's an awesome guy. I can't put him over enough. Uh, he's really awesome. How about that How about that three-way? How how'd that match go? Um, okay, that was that was my pick to steal the show. Um it ended too early, and from what I saw, it was great. Yeah, it was really good. The, um, they 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 were doing the 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 three ways, you know. Spot. It wasn't too spotty, if you know what I mean. Shit was mm-hmm. tied together correctly, and the the transitions were sweet. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was it was real. It was tight. It was really yeah. tight, and they you guys need to bring it back. Oh, we need to bring it back. Yeah, you guys need to bring it back. Without the referee. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, even if we don't see that match in the San Diego ring, hopefully we see it in a in a ring across California. Because, yeah, that sounded like a real good match on paper. And then uh ended up being, from, from all accounts, a really good match. And then uh, we had Errol Starr and Scott Loss, which is everyone's talking about. And then uh, that Battle Royal, geez, people are mad at him, that Battle Royal. Oh, that meant, oh, he... Alex, I haven't heard that. That kind. Of, it was it was X Pac kind of angry heat. You know, I mean, everybody wanted to see the match, and you know, I'm going to go on the record, and I'm going to let the powers of be at New Wave Pro know this. From my feeling in the crowd, I think that they made a mistake by not letting it go. Um, oh, no, no, no. I I really think they did because the the crowd was so hot for it. Oh yeah. You know, I I really think that they could have gone that extra ten minutes. It really wouldn't have hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, but that you know that's neither here nor there. But now it builds to the next show, which is aptly named Three's Company, which is the main <laughs> event. The hey, that's good stuff there. The main event is uh, it ain't Seinfeld for the new wave, the new wave pro wrestling title in a three-way dance of doom. We have SoCal Crazy, my pick to win, and Baby Slim, and the guy that I did not expect to see there, Matt Twisted. 
Oh, you didn't explain kind of a Was it? That, that was a that was a neat little twist. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell. This message goes out to each and every one in that locker room, the owners of the company, everybody that helped set up the chairs, the ring, everything. First class promotion. And you guys all took me in with open arms, not knowing me from fucking Adam, no pun intended. It, I had a really good time. Everybody was professional, friendly. You know, even the crowd was great. You know, I mean, the four dicks that were there, but they left after their buddy's match. But other than that, it was a solidly ran show. And my hats are off to you, Alex, and your people. Hey, we got a couple of matches. Other than other than that, of course, we got more weeks to build it. But while we're on the topic, let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, like you said, the the heavy the uh, for the heavyweight title, the New Way Pro Wrestling heavyweight title, we're not a world belt like a SoCal Pro over there. The 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 pretentious San Diego company, as I like, not the premier, the pretentious San Diego company, as I like to call them, SoCal Pro. We're the we're the New Wave heavyweight champion. Uh, SoCal Crazy Matt Twisted a baby slam. Then he got for the, you know, I'm going to skip that one. We got the making their New Wave Pro Wrestling debuts, uh, singles debuts. They were actually both in the Battle Royal. The King of Strings, Jesse Flores, and Jameson Stafford. And then, baby, the next match, gold is coming to Team Saint as I got my agent, Robert Hall, and K-Dub against aerial star Precious Rick Ellis for the belt. And then Johnny Mahalo is going to, I guess he's got an apology lined up for his actions at the, the Battle Royal. All that and much more. I may even be there. It's going to be an awesome night of action. So, <laughs> how's that for a pitch, man? That was pretty damn good, there, Mister After. I got back to my roots. I went. I went to that carnival on Sunday, and I saw all the carny barkers. So I was like, okay, that's that, that's my roots. I was yelling, get the marks at them and stuff like that. It was good time. Hey, that that was pretty cool, huh? That that boardwalk was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And uh. Jessica really appreciates you going on the roller coaster with her because her husband <laughs> is a chicken shit. So, oh, it was fun. It was fun. Tremendous, tremendous. We'll be having uh, Zach Arnold of PureSoulPower dot com and FightOpinion dot com and Fight Opinion Radio on the air in a few minutes. We're waiting for Zach to call in. <clears throat> All right. Let's hey, see. you see. Uh... You see that uh, Elite XC uh, started announcing some stuff for the CBS show. Yes. That Robbie Lawler-Scott Smith fight is going to be a barn burner. All the things that we talked about, it seemed like they, I mean, it's not just us, but everybody with a brain was saying they had to put Kim, Kimbo on this fucking show, and of course they did it. They're bringing Kimbo Slice on this show. The most marketable guy Elite XC has on this roster. And then... They're also bringing in, which I think is kind of kind of controversial, Gina Carano. Now, only thing I'll say she's controversial is because, I mean, it's, it's the American media. It's 2008, and then they're going to put, you know, America already has their, you know, their views on ultimate fighting, you know, the media. I'm speaking of the media, but now they're going to put two women out there fighting, which I'm completely fine with, and I think UFC should definitely scoop up with Gina Carano because she is extremely marketable, but... It'll be interesting, and I think there'll be some backlash. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, the I'm I'm really really happy that they put Lawler on there and uh, Scott Smith because that they're just gonna you know just put the hands down and go, and they're just gonna be throwing bombs left and right. 
It's going to be insane. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be a solid fight. Any idea of who you think they're going to put Kimbo in there with? Oh, I bet it was supposed to be Ken. I really do. Um, oh, man, and Kimbo, he's a heavyweight, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd, I'd have to think about it. Cause the, first, the other name that popped in my head would be uh, Baroni. Mm-mm. Baroni lost this past weekend horribly. I uh, see with a Baroni though it doesn't. I don't think it really matters if he loses. I think it, uh, the the appeal in Baroni is not as win losses. Because even when even though UFC wasn't at what UFC is today, even when Baroni lost, at least in my eyes, I didn't see him losing any luster because he was more of a gimmick. You know, he was mm-hmm. a really tough fighter, and he went out there and gave a hundred percent. And if he lost, but maybe I was in the pride also, too. So I can appreciate the guy who had the, the quote-unquote fighting spirit like I, I feel like Baroni did. If you want to see an example of fighting spirit, I suggest you check out UFC 41, Matt Lindland against Phil Baroni. That was an amazing fight. But, um, oh, yeah, I, I don't know who in the heavyweight class they can put in there against uh, Kim. Uh, obviously, I mean, you, you, you'd probably still do the Ken Shamrock fight. Um, and, uh, I don't know. And, uh, Rico Rodriguez. Oh, you can do Rico. I didn't even think about it. Oh, mm-hmm. that seems like the guy you have to do, Rico. That might work. Oh, man. Hmm. That may work. Or uh, maybe like a Justin Eilers type. Oh, no. Yeah, but the the Rico, I mean, that could really, because Rico could get you the promos you need leading up to it, especially mm-hmm. if they're planning to do a a 24-7 type deal. I mean, because Rico's got a good story coming off that match, coming off Celebrity Rehab or whatever, and then uh, that seems like the, the obvious guy that you do. Now, how how much longer before these IFL guys get scooped up by Elite XC and uh, UFC? Very quick. Who's that heavyweight that IFL has that's real good? What's, it, what's his name? I don't know. I, I don't follow the product. I, I It's nothing to me. Oh, let me look up his name. Uh, he's 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 like he's. I think he's pound for pound like the best guy that IFL has. He's a heavy. He, I think he's a heavyweight champion. As I'm looking up his name, um, of all the guys who are coming up for contracts to be renewed from UFC, who do you think they'll actually get? Oh, oh, the guys that are coming up on contracts from yeah. UFC. Yes. Um. I don't see Orlovsky coming back. Um, ben Rothwell, that's his name. Yeah, Rothwell, that's right. Rothwell is good. If UFC could put him into that heavyweight division, boy, it, he it would it would definitely make at least talent wise, it definitely make for a good uh, heavyweight division. I don't know what his how his promos are though, which it seems like it's just as uh, it's just as important nowadays. I mean, how good of a promo you are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, what, what do you think of the upcoming uh, Fight Night Live with uh, Ribs McFlorian and the uh, uh, Joe Lozon? I have been. You know what? I don't. I, this is either a testament to UFC's marketing machine, or it's a testament to uh, this might actually be a really good fight because I've seen Kenny Florian go in there. With a you know some of the better guys at 155 and either really hold his own or really win, and when he does, I mean like Kenny like Kenny always says, I mean he goes in there he brings the fight. 
I personally don't like him all that much, but you know what? He goes in there and brings the fight. But Lazan, from seeing him 13 weeks in that Ultimate Fighter program, I remember another time that this happened to me is when it was Rich Franklin against Nate Quarry from the first season of Ultimate Fighter because Quarry was built up for 13 weeks. Even though he was injured, he was still built up for 13 weeks on that TV show because you remember what they did. He was injured, but they made him an assistant coach, which kind of added to his appeal. Like, oh, man, this guy's got to be good if they're keeping him on as a coach. And went in there against Fred, and then he had that impressive showing at the fight night, uh, the, the fight night finale, ultimate fighter finale. He had that impressive showing. And then he went in there against, you know, the champ, and uh, he got demolished. But uh, I don't – honestly, I mean, my head is telling me that, you know, Lazan is going to wax the floor of Floyd, but I just know it's going to be a good night. All right. Well, we have on the line the owner and operator of PureSoulPower.com and FightOpinion.com and co-host of Fight Opinion Radio, Zach Arnold. Welcome to Rebel Guard Radio, Zach. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing good, zombie. What's going on? Oh, man, we're just talking a little UFC here and there. And, and by the way, I like Joe Lozano in that fight. I have to agree with you. Now, now what are your reasons? Because like I brought up earlier, I mean, do you think that uh, he's coming in a little overhyped coming off that UFC uh, Ultimate Fighter? He's being traded by BJ Penn, who's probably one of the, be- the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. I mean, there's, there's no question. The, the training is the, all the difference for him. And remember, Lauzon, when he had his debut, he knocked out Jens Pulver. So yeah, he did. He, he's, not a, he's not a pushover. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we were discussing um, Elite XC on CBS, who, who the perfect opponent for Kimbo Slice would be. My pick was Rico Rodriguez. Ooh, who, do you think it, who do you think it would be? I still think they're thinking about Ken Shamrock. I mean, I, I think what they want Kimbo to destroy someone and to really embarrass someone. I mean, Shamrock would be, you know, he's the icon of UFC for your average casual fan at home you know, who watched Shamrock against Tito for two years or whatever. And, and I, I think that would actually be kind of a symbolic gesture because Ken Shamrock was the one who really put uh, UFC on the map with the big ratings they had with Ortiz on Spike TV. So I think I think that's a natural fit there. I think and they'll probably do it. Um, what what do you think the chances are of Ortiz walking out at that uh, Lita C show? I think they're very good. I mean, you you, you know the show was the first show in Mar- May thirty first. That's only a few I, days after the Las Vegas show that he's going to be fighting on against uh, Rio de Machida, right? So, I mean, yeah. that, that that sounds perfect to him. I, I that's perfect timing. Now, I've I've also I have uh, I have this belief that uh, I I think you have to put Corano on, but I'm just afraid of the main mainstream media kind of giving a little bit of a backlash to Lita C for putting a woman's fight on primetime TV. So, how, do you do you see the same, or am I just Imagining all this? Or? No, I understand your concern because, you know, they're going to have Kimbo on, and that's enough of a circus as it is. They probably <laughs> should save Carano for a second CBS show because that'll be another attraction there. So It definitely will. Uh, Carano, other than Kimbo, I mean, they have two made stars right there, Kimbo and his awesome gimmick. And then you have Gina, who's just, who's just smoking hot, and she's a really good fighter. Yeah, you know, the thing about Gina that people don't give her enough credit for is, is she is savvy about the media. I mean... Let's let's face it. She's been on American Gladiators on NBC, and now she'll be on CBS with this deal. 
you know, tell me what other fighters been on two free day or TV networks in, in terms of, of high visibility. Somebody else who's media savvy that I want to bring up real fast is uh, what what do your uh, what do you think the chances are that uh, the Angle Couture submission challenge will go down? I I think it's actually very possible, and really? I know there's a lot of people in Atlantic City, and there's a few in in LA who would love to put it on, and I really. Again, Rico Ciaparelli, who is uh, behind uh, Frank Trigg and so forth, uh, he puts he could put that together. I think that's very possible. Really, I was I was, I was listening to another radio show uh, between the ropes when Kurt Angle was on, and then uh, he was bringing it up, and it just sounded to me, you know, like every other challenge that he's laid out there. I mean, it would definitely be interesting. Could you pick a winner in a, in a submission match between Couture and Angle? Oh, Randy would smoke him. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is not even a contest. And interesting enough, remember, you know, Antonio Noki, he's now marketing Kurt Angle in his uh, Kakoto uh, MMA debut for April the 12th in Osaka in a three-way against Daniel Ogawa and Josh Barnett, which... Oh, wow. <laughs> a three-way MMA match or worked or shoot sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great for us, but, I mean... <laughs> Okay, well, now since we're on the subject of Kurt Angle, I'm going to segue into TNA. Now, I've been watching a lot of uh, the TNA talent when they come over to New Japan, and I have this opinion. I have this question, as you were. Yes. Who is the worst guy that has come from TNA to make it to come over to New Japan? Oh, Abyss. Abyss, that, that performance at the Tokyo Dome was, was I, I, I can't, I couldn't scream enough at the TV. <laughs> he's third on the card against Manabu Nakanishi, and he's putting up thumbtacks at the Tokyo Dome. I mean, I, I would have thought someone in New Japan would have stopped him and said, "Look, you're gonna, you're trying to kill the heat on our show here. That's, that's totally irresponsible." This guy just, he never got it, and he, and he still <laughs> won't get it. You know, one of my favorite wrestlers coming up, and uh, he, I can't say he's one of my favorites right now, but he's still really good, and he gets better every time I see him. That's AJ Styles, but it, it seems to me like AJ. Just doesn't fit in New Japan at all for me. Is it just me? Or? No, he doesn't fit. I mean, it, it's it's when you put him against Tanahashi, it's like a real stature difference between the two. Even though both are really good workers when when they're on, uh, but I, I do think he is a much better fit in New Japan than he is in TNA. Uh, there's something that, I watch TNA TV once in a while every week. It is horrible. I I cannot stress how much they take their talent and make it as least desirable as possible to watch. Because when you watch these guys in New Japan's ring, they, they are so much better. When they're, when they're allowed to actually work and actually do basic in-ring psychology, they are great. But when they are on that Impact show, it is horrible. Is there, is there some kind of deal preventing uh, Fergal Divot the coming over to TNA? Because whenever... Uh... I found out that uh, TNA was sending talent over to New Japan, and then that New Japan was going to be sending talent to TNA. I assumed that one of the names that automatically pop up was Virgil Divot. Instead, they send uh, Tiger Mask and uh, Nakamura, but I, I just assumed it was going to be Divot. You know, uh, it may be a visa issue, because remember, he's from Ireland, so mm-hmm. we don't know if, the, if there's an issue in, in the States getting the visa for him, but uh, you know, he is a guy that should be over here already. I don't know if TNA is even interested, though. Oh, man. I, I've had the opportunity to see uh, Fergal Divot once live here in California. He was uh, he was here, and he was wrestling against Davey Richards. And uh, it was one that I think he was, he was coming off an injury or something. He was going back to Japan. But, wow, he's a, he's a really, really good talent. 
And uh, honestly, I mean, one of the things that stuck out to me when I watched the, the Dome show from this year is that his, his lack of a tan almost made it seem like he didn't want to come to America because he was wearing <laughs> white pants and then he was very pale, which he wouldn't tell when I saw him, but he was very pale. <laughs> it's like he didn't want to come over to America. And I'll actually give a promoter credit, which is the rarity in this business, but I'll give a promoter Sheldon Goldberg out of Boston with New England Championship Wrestling some credit here because he was the one who originally booked Fergal Devitt for the States. And, and things just took off from there. So, you know, Devitt was great in Boston, and he definitely was great out in California. And, and no question, he's made a name for himself. You know, he and Rebecca Knox and, and that crew, you know, they've worked really hard in this business, and they deserve everything that they get That in, in terms of good good things happening to them. Well, um, actually, New Japan crowned a champion a little while ago, and then Noah crowned a new champion. What of the two champions in New Japan and Noah? What champion means more? And I'm speaking of uh, Nakamura and uh, Takeshi Morishima. This is tough. Uh, I think Nakamura is <laughs> taken more seriously at the moment. Morishima, Morishima. The problem with him is, is a couple of things. One, he still looks really young. And, and two, the, the the bigger issue is the health concern. Because remember, he's had knee surgery before. We're going to find out if they, if they believe that his durability is a, a liability or not because depending on how long they put the belt on him or keep the belt on him, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think there's kind of a hesitancy there because of the whole what happened with Takeshi Rukio and what happened with that long title reign where they had him go over Tawai and all the other guys. Um, I mean, I, I, think, I think New Japan's in better shape overall in terms of credibility. There's discussion that uh, Noah... And all Japan will probably merge the belts, the Triple Crown and, and, and the GHC belt. That was a report in Tokyo Sports last week where they're talking about Morishima against uh, Kinsuke. So that that would be a, a fascinating matchup to watch, actually. That, that seems like dome? a match they'd have to do in the Dome. That seems like they'd have yeah. to do it in the Dome. They would. And uh, I, I think, it, by, by the way, I think out of all the champions, I think Kinsuke is the most interesting. Uh, I, I, You know, he has a certain in-ring style, but I, I think in terms of a popularity. He does the variety TV show stuff right now, and he's a little bit over. So I think he's the most interesting champion in Japan right now at the point. But uh, I, I think a fast, it would be fascinating to watch a merger title match. Um, also, um, watching uh, the New Japan Cup in the finals, I believe, uh, have they gotten to the final? The finals is going to be Giant Bernard against Yano. And that, that's the, the semifinal, and then the other one, I think it's it's uh, the winner of the two matches, I think Tanahashi and then uh, another match. So, I mean, oh. they seem inevitably going to Giant Bernard against Tanahashi in the final. Yeah, uh, It could be a good final. Uh, we'll see. It's, it seems to me like uh, they're going to build toward a Bernard-Nakamura match, and then it seems like they're going to do the Tanahashi-Nakamura rematch for later in the year. Is, is that kind of what you see, too, or...? It could happen. I mean, I think the problem for them is, is New Japan right now is kind of in a tough spot. Um, you know, they had a, they've had a couple of good years in in terms of turning around the booking and the, and the work rate has gotten gotten back up. Oh, it, yeah. It's a much more desirable product. Let me say that than, than four or five years ago. Four, it was brutal. Five years ago, I mean, it, it was hard to be a fan of that company, and they really turned things around. And and Ukes, I think the one question mark is money. Because Ukes, which has a lot of money, had to recently write off a 1.7 million yen loan to New Japan, and basically said that they couldn't get the money back on it. So 
New Japan, for all intents and purposes, I mean, it's a great match. Nakamura and Tanahashi should be a good match. But I don't know if they're strong enough to make money. And, and that's, very, that's a very hard thing for them to uh, figure out how to do it and how to build it up. Um, has, has the return of uh, Tenzon mean anything for New Japan? No. Hmm. They haven't done a thing. I mean, he had his little return match, and uh, they really haven't done much with him. And, I'd, and you know what? I don't blame him. I mean, if you're Booker, look at his track record the last several years in terms of injuries. I mean, his body is broken yeah. down. He is charismatic, but it's hard to put him in a position because if you push him high and he gets injured, then um, you know you know you're stuck. So, and I also I also found it very interesting that uh, the last New Japan show that I saw that uh, it seemed like they were really pushing for a, a longer title reign out of Minoru and Prince Divot, and then uh, they lost that show against uh, Liger and Akira. And, I can't say his last name. But uh, that, that's, I saw that real surprising because it just seemed to me like they were really building uh, Minoru and Divid as, a, as a, a solid tag team. You know, a couple of years ago, they were doing a really good job with the booking of the junior tag belts. Remember, they had Jado and Gato as the champions. Yes. And they had, they had, they had some really good matches. And then it, it really seems to be more like a hot potato now. It's, it's like, you know, who wants it next? And um, I'm not sure what the deal is. Okay, and then um, I have to get this question out. A guy who... Uh, I first really make a name for himself in the Southern California scene, and now he's in New Japan. Have you heard anything or seen anything out of Carl Anderson over in New Japan? I've seen a few things. I mean, I haven't seen anything in full. I'm, I'm waiting to see if uh, TV Asai will air his match against Kanemoto in full, because that, that would be something I'm very interested in seeing. But, oh, yes, I am myself. Too. Yeah, he looks, I mean, he looked good so far. So they put him over against Hirasawa on the undercard. I mean, he fit. He seems to fit in with the, with the company, uh style right now, so I think he's a good bet to be a long-term. And remember, he was put in a very tough position in that company. They booked him as the last-minute replacement for Yuji Nagata, who had a stroke or blood clot or whatever you want to uh, term it. You know, they put him as, he's the replacement for Nagata in the cup. And that was a terrible position to be put in, because he was he was a guy that nobody over there knew, and they put him against Kanemoto, and that was kind of like the dead man walking. But, you know, I'm sure he made the best of it, and he's going to make the best of opportunity over there. Yeah, Cole Anderson, he's a really, really good talent. I was actually expecting him to get a, a World Wrestling Entertainment contract because WWE did a big swing out here. And I also expected him to pick up both Cole and Joey when they were out here. But um, I was really happy to see Cole get a get a, a big break and go into New Japan. Yeah, but he doesn't but, um, look like the kind of guy who takes vitamin S, does he? Let's say that one more time. He doesn't look like the kind of guy who takes vitamin S, though, does he? <laughs> no. I, I don't know what people that. put in their bodies. <laughs> you can't even tell nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he's definitely really good in the ring, and he's he's really entertaining, which uh, I don't know how well that will translate to Japanese. I, I'm very interested to see him work because he's just so entertaining in, a, in an American setting, and I, I would really see if he... If he tries to do similar stuff in New Japan, or if he goes out there and just wrestles, which he's very good at as well. Well, you know, on one one part of the spectrum, you have Carl Anderson, and then the other part of it, you have Vince McMahon. And if anyone who saw McMahon at the Cajun Dome against Ric Flair on Monday, see how huge he was. I mean, it, it, this was ridiculous. This, I mean, the idea that the WWE actually cares about people who work in the ring... <laughs> Look at the guys on top of that company right now. Vince McMahon's bigger than all of them. 
I actually, you know what? Um, I actually got, I lost my Direct TV, and I haven't had the opportunity to be watching Monday Night Raw, which is kind of unfortunate because I usually like the build they they always do to WrestleMania. But honestly, it's not that bad not having TV. And I mean, I've been checking out a lot more New Japan and a lot more of the other promotions that I like watching. So I mean, it's not really that bad not watching WWE. Yeah, they've done a lousy job with this WrestleMania build-up. I mean, it's just uh, you know they've got they've gotten stuck in their old formula of how to promote a show, and they just promote it almost the same way as they promote any other pay-per-view. <laughs> that's that's really unfortunate. I mean, like uh, it seems like this WrestleMania. I mean, they haven't done a good job of really building it on TV, from what I understand. Like I said, I haven't seen any of it, but I mean, but just the it, it's becoming more of a because I think the the new trend in wrestling is, is the big conventions, and it seems like to me that they're turning WrestleMania into more of a convention type aspect, vice a, a wrestling show. It seems like you get your convention with like the Hall of Fame, and I, I'm waiting for the year where they announce, you know, before the Hall of Fame, you know, you have a convention with all the people getting inducted, which I, I don't think is too far away. Well, and then you know the wrestling show is just a bonus to the convention. Yeah, it, they don't even treat it as a wrestling show now. It, it's basically how many rappers and how many uh, B-level celebrities can we get on this thing and cram them in. I mean, it's like it's like they're marketing towards the e-Hollywood Network crowd <laughs> than the wrestling crowd. It really does seem like that with the, the inclusions of Snoop Dogg, because from what I understand, he got a new reality show, and then Kim Kardashian has a reality show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, it seems to me like it's more of a... An event, vice. Uh, it's. I, I read an interesting quote from Holly Race today, and then um, I, I don't want to quote him because I forgot what he said. But uh, it was talking about you know, and it's called sports entertainment today, but eventually it's going to be called cartoon wrestling. Which I mean, seeing how Vince McMahon promotes wrestling, as he is the only you know uh, wrestling in America. I mean, there's TNA, but you know, there's TNA. But it seems like you know Vince McMahon's it, and he's really taking wrestling from what he promoted in the 80s and the 90s, and it's really changing today. Yeah, and think about the old territory areas, Memphis or the Carolinas. You still go there? And Dave Meltzer brought this up uh, on Brian Alvarez's show last week. He says, you still go to these territories. They don't talk about Vince McMahon's wrestling. They talk about what happened in the 70s and 80s as if it happened yesterday. I mean, the people, what McMahon's done is he's created a national wrestling product that everyone knows exists. But no one has an emotional attachment to it. No one ever thinks about it in terms of what they see in person because, you know, when he goes to your town, it's just a traveling circus. It's not even, it's not even a, a real flavor or a local flavor to a show. And he has, he has completely detached himself from reality in terms of what the fans want. Do you think now would be a good time for uh, Conan and uh, his, his partnership to, to bring AAA into America or maybe CMLL into America? Because yeah. they would be uh, uh, okay. I'll let you continue. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think if now's the time to do it. I mean, especially Chicago. You look at the bigger markets. Las Vegas would be another tar- prime target. I mean, these are places where they could draw easily five thousand a show, if if not more, without even trying. And and the demographics do exist. I mean, this is and they've existed, you know, since the nineties, but they've gotten much better for that kind of product. I I think that's a that's something he should just pull the trigger on right now. I mean, if TNA is going to go to, like, Barry, Vermont, and they're going to draw, like, 3000 a show, why can't AAA do the same thing? 
It, it definitely seems like that because, I mean, I was just watching When Worlds Collide the other day when uh, the show that actually did Los Angeles. And it was it was a very very heated show. It, it's the most. It's almost like a territorial show that they did in 1994. The crowd was so hot for everything, and everybody was so over. And I mean, it just seems like they could have that appeal today because, from what I understand, Rey Mysterio Jr. I mean, not from what I understand. I go to a lot of lucha shows in San Diego, and you know, Rey Mysterio Jr. merchandise is sold out. And I was telling the KZ, you can't find. Ray Mysterio figures in Walmart, you can't find them in, in stores in San Diego because they're all sold out because, you know, I feel like the Hispanic culture really looks up to him because he's on TV. But if AAA could get, you know, a, a real television deal in America, I mean, they could really, I mean, take over at least the southern states. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the, the idea of territories. I mean, I'm thinking about how the WWE just completely mishandled the whole Ohio Valley situation, and I thought, oh, why yeah. didn't TNA get in there and pick up that territory? I mean, that, if, <laughs> if anything, Jim Cornette's there. I mean, they could have done it, but they're so sh- short-sighted on this whole deal. I mean, they they had a chance to really pick that up, but I'm, I'm surprised they haven't. I'm really surprised they, they haven't, too, because, uh, I mean... And then speaking of territories, I mean, WWE, they have 70-some-odd guys at Florida, and there's no way that they could find time to really cultivate any talent there. I believe that WWE made a, a huge mistake in dropping. I, I, I mean, mind you, Ohio Valley, which uh, all their top guys for at least the top, you know, the past five years, most of them have come from Ohio Valley. But, I mean, the fact is that, you know, there's only one place to train now, and it's 70 guys there. And then, I mean, I just see this year's spring cleaning. I just see so many guys being let go, and then a lot of guys are being let go due to the wellness issues, which is funny that only wellness is affecting the, the developmental, not really the main roster all that much with the set of Jeff Hardy. But, uh... I mean, just, you know, the, the problem with the Florida Territory is Steve Kern's in charge of it. Steve Kern's also on the road as an agent. <laughs> How are you going to run a school? How are you going to promote local shows if you're also on the road for the national company? <laughs> you beat me. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. The system they have is completely flawed. And if they're expecting Johnny Ace to run that thing, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, okay. well, Johnny so, Ace's um, days, I, I, I think Johnny Ace's days are numbered. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, really. He's he's dropping dropping the ball and... You know, I, I think it, it might be time for a change. We need to freshen it up a little bit. Um, do do you see anybody out there that, that they could elevate, you know, up to up to uh, the Johnny Ace position in there? Dean Malenko? Dean Malenko, exactly. Someone that knows something about the business. And he also knows a lot about Tampa and Florida, too. So it's not, you know, that's a guy I'm surprised they didn't put in charge of that territory. Hmm. Because he and Joe, you know, of course, along with uh, the great Malenko, I mean, you would have thought that would be the most natural fit. I have to agree. Is uh, Joe still around? Um, he's not wrestling, but I mean, I, I saw a newspaper article interview with him a few months ago, but he he still talks about the business. Okay, so um, bringing it back to Japan for a little bit. Sure. Um, now th- th- this happened a while ago, but um. I think a lot of people were very, very disappointed in the fact that uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi lost the match to Nakamura and then seeing the Kurt Angle-Nakamura match, it just seems like it would have been such a better match if uh, 
it had been Tanahashi Angle. Now, why? Because I'm just now getting into New Japan. What is the what, what's the thing about Nakamura? Why they believe that he's the future of the company and not someone like Tanahashi? Nakamura is protected by a few interests in the company, but overall, there's a lot of people in the company who hate him. I mean, he's a he. It's not necessarily his fault, but he's a very divisive figure because remember he came in the business protected by Anoki. He was going to be the child of Anoki, and he was protected the entire time, especially when they had the feud with Takayama and everything and so forth. So there's always been kind of a, you know, a, a look, a disdain by the the workers, especially Tanahashi. And I think Tanahashi's built up a lot of credibility since you know he had that incident where the where the woman stabbed him and. He had to go through, you know, a few years of image rehab, and he worked his way to the top. And uh, Nakamura, you know, again, Anoki, I think his influence is increasing the company. You can see it because the uh, New Japan IGF feud is starting to really pick up. And the more Anoki's influence increases, is the more you'll see Nakamura's influence increase. What's Hiroki Goto mean to that company? Because uh, the first time I'd, I'd really seen Hiroki was the 11-8 pay-per-view where he had that amazing... It was 11-11. He had that amazing match against uh, Tanahashi for the the, IGW, the IWGP belt. And then uh, what's Hiroki Goto mean in New Japan? Uh, he's the future. I mean, if they, if they can keep this thing afloat and not lose uh, all the money in the world, I mean, he's the, he's the, he's the future. I mean, I, I don't know if Nakamura's the future. I mean, he's the present, but he's not the future. Uh, speaking of the future and the present, um, I, I've just now recently in the last couple of years started getting into Japanese wrestling again. And uh, when I watch Noah shows, there's a lot of, uh, I'll, I'll say, veterans working on the undercard of these shows. Now, it seems to me like, uh, you know, they have a lot of the younger talent main eventing. And it, it just really, it seems like the, the, the undercard matches is usually something I fast forward through. Is that is that a good decision on my part, or I mean, who who exactly are these guys in, in most of the undercards of the Noah show? Well, it's a good decision on your part, and I understand it. I mean, it, they have a kind of a St. Louis philosophy in that they want to keep the old guys around and keep them in in enough of a position to where if they got to push them up in the top of the card on an emergency level, they could do it. But that kind of booking, that kind of uh, disposal, interchangeable part booking, you know, in the long run, it doesn't really help. Because if, if no one's a star, then, or if everyone's a star, then how's that going to, you know, how are you going to create an ace? How are you going to create someone who's going to lead the company? How are you going to trust someone to do that? I mean, they seem to have kind of a trigger-happy approach to it with Marafuji and Rikio. I mean, Rikio, I think, it hurt their booking more than anyone possibly let on. I think he completely shook their confidence in terms of one, these young guys having the belt for long-term. And you, and you see that all the time with their booking. Um, now, speaking of older older gentlemen, um, where do you see Mitsuhara Masawa's role in Noah now that he's dropped uh, the championship? I think we're, we're probably going to see a Masawa-Kobashi match, and then he'll probably just uh, be in the upper mid-card or in the tag division. And... Uh, how long before we see uh, the match that seems like they've been trying to get for years, which is Kobayashi uh, Morishima? Wow. I mean, if they were running the dome, that'd be a hell of a match. I'm thinking, I'm thinking in the summer they're going to run that. I mean, they've, they've got some Budokan shows lined up. Then they'll, they'll have to run something. I think that's that's kind of right on tap. 
I think Kakiyama and Morishima too. Oh, definitely. That 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 that'd be a that'd be a really fun brutal match. If 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 uh, if uh, Takayama can withstand a Morishima match, yeah, it seems to me like his face is about is about to completely fall off. I feel bad for him. I mean, he's a guy. He's a warrior in this business. He's someone who deserves all the respect in the world, and he you know he's paid the price. I mean, he's paid the ultimate price for for being who he is and the style that he's worked. And I kind of find it. I don't know. I'm I'm mixed about it. The fact that the the more punishment he takes, it seems the more he's over. Hmm. Um, what are your feelings on Bison Smith? I don't think they know what to do with him. I mean, I think they're kind of, you know, he he's the big guy Jim they have, and uh, you know, if we put him in a spot, I mean, can we trust him to draw and? I I don't think he's really on their mind. I don't think he's on the forefront. I don't think he really has been. And uh, you know, I think if he was in New Japan, I think they push him a lot more. I mean, I I certainly think that he could fill that role that Tyson Tomko filled. You know, but I I don't know. I mean, I think Smith when he had Puerto Rico as an option. Puerto Rico, by the way, since Quinones died, it's kind of falling apart. But. With without uh, without that safety valve, I don't, I don't know where he goes. I don't know where Smith goes from here. Speaking speak of American talent, I have, I have a real quick question. It, it seems obvious how Ring of Honor uh, views the Noah talent. They, they view the Noah talent coming over and being really big stars. Now, how, on the flip side, how do you feel that Noah views the Ring of Honor talent? Good one. The workers or the fans? Um. Well, since you brought it up, go ahead and uh, elaborate on both of them. I the fans don't even pay attention. I mean, they're just like, okay, they're just the foreigners that came over on the tour. I don't think they really real look at them any differently, any higher credibility whatsoever. Uh, the, the workers, um, I think the same way. I mean, I think I think the Noah guys stick with each other. You know, they think they're better than uh, anyone else, and you know what? Who's going to tell them that they're not? Okay. Um, what did you think of the Briscoes uh Sugiera Marifuji tag title match? <laughs> they they like the Briscoes over there. I don't uh, you know, they they kind of have a fascination with the Briscoes whether it's in the junior tag match or or a tag title match. They um you know, the Briscoes are acquired taste. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Either you really you really like them or you don't. Um I do like Sugiera and Marifuji as a tag team though. I mean, yeah. I, I do enjoy watching them, and uh, you know I think they're they're very good. I don't know if you can carry the Briscoe brothers at times, but um, <laughs> uh, but you know that was a good match. So no it seems like you can finish. only contain the Briscoe brothers. <laughs> yeah, you can only contain them. The finish was great. You know where uh, where the one Briscoe had his back turned, and his brother got beat, he, and he's got his hands up, and he thinks he wins. And he turns around. That was just good stuff. I popped for the finish. I was like, okay. <laughs> Now that's good booking. But um do you see the Briscoes coming back and also do you see Chris Hero coming back? Yes and yes. Um both you know, the the Briscoes and Chris Hero they're liked. So I, I see them coming back and uh I think Casanoli will also probably be coming back too. Yeah. Claudio did look good on that last tour. That yeah. match that they had a Budokan like was against Tawa and Sano. Mhm. I think that was a good match. 
Yeah, it was solid. It was about as good as you can get out of Tally. Yeah, and he's he's still over. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> you know, go figure. He does look like he does look like Giant Baba, though. He sure does. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wonder like if they're going to put him against Morshima in, in like a like a a job match soon. Just squash him. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to me like uh, Dragon Gate has. Uh, They've brought over Austin Aries and Roger Strong a lot, but it seems to me like as a as a tag team that they'd really fit in a Noah. They do fit in Noah, and um, you know the thing about Dragon Gate is, as uh, we speak today, they had their show in uh, Tokyo in Otaku uh, with you know with the Noah talent there, and and that's kind of a, a really big thing that I've seen with Noah and Dragon Gate, which is I think they complement each other so well in terms of the talent exchange and, and bringing in the fresh guys. And it really reminds me a lot of what WCW did with the AAA guys. They they know how to integrate them very well. And uh, it really helps their their in-ring product as well as uh, just overall bringing in younger fans. Um, what are you, uh, what are your feelings on uh, one of our guests on our next show next Tuesday, the human tornado? I love, I love him. A great character. You need you need to have a character guy in this business, no matter if you're a promoter or a wrestler. You, you know, people make fun of of character guys or ripping to them on the internet because they're maybe not the uh, the smoothest of workers. But I think he's great, so I I got no complaints. I think he's perfect. I don't know if he'd work in Japan, <laughs> but he he works well here in the states. So you know, well he he kept up with them in Dragon Gate. He did, and so. You know, and, and plus his his little kick shimmy in the corner. I mean, that shit's over. <laughs> you know, he was over in Dragon Gate. Yeah. Um, I am a little concerned about Jack Evans and his health, though. Yeah, no <laughs> he shit. He should be kind of... Uh, that seems to be Trainwreck City there. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did you see the match? I didn't. Ooh. I think it's on... Was it the Wrestle Jam show, I think? Yeah. Dragon Gate 79? Yeah. Alex... Did you you saw the match, didn't you, Alex? No, no, I didn't see it. I, I don't I don't Damn follow. It. I send you DVDs, motherfucker, and you don't watch them. The DVD didn't work. <laughs> oh, even worse. Okay, all right, I'll take care of you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that that I think it was in the the last match of the Wrestle Jam show, and it was pretty brutal. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk about brutal matches. Um, on the latest ROH pay-per-view, we had Austin Aries and Nigel McGuinness. Oh. Have you seen that match? I saw some clips of it on the, uh, they had what, the video wire thing they have online. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oof. Brutal. And by the way, I, I will give Ring of Honor credit. I will give them credit for that video wire deal because I wish other promotions would do that. I wish peop- you know, I wish other promoters would actually get a clue. And understand what to do online because, you know, there's NECW TV, there's Ring of Honor and the Video Wire, but I really, you know, everyone else seems to be kind of a, a DVD to home deal, and uh, I wish there was more stuff on YouTube. I I definitely think the the Video Wire is one of the more innovative things because, um, other rather than putting up a full length television show, I, not on television but on the internet instead, a 30 minute show. They put together a 10 or 15 minute uh, video package, and uh, it's it's amazing, amazing stuff. And you can pretty much keep up with the ROA storylines 
even if you don't go to the live shows. That way it helps out with knowing what DVDs to buy. And they also put it on the DVDs. So if you watch a video wire, say, six months ago, and then the, the DVD comes out, you're able to pick up, and they always advise you to watch the video wire before you watch the show. That way, so you know completely what's going on in the company. Because I hate buying a DVD and not knowing what the hell is going on. Why is this guy not like this guy? And ROH is really, really good about that. I absolutely agree. All right, guys, I'm going to head out here. I hope you guys have a great show, and uh, I'll make sure to link to this show on uh, on our websites. And uh, you guys keep up good work. Well, thank you very much, Zach. You've been a very great guest, and we'll have to have you back on. Thanks. I appreciate it. Talk to you guys. KZ. Okay, so uh, KZ, he's either not there, he's breaking up. Um, we had Zach Arnold on, and um, KZ has his plug, so um, let me see if I can pull him up real quick. Uh, Zach Arnold, he's, he's an expert in not only Japanese wrestling, as I found out, but a lot of other facets of wrestling. It was a very good, entertaining show with him. And uh, KZ, are you on the air? Okay, uh, KZ's not on the air. Um, let me see if I can get KZ. I will be right back. KZ? Well, since I don't have KZ on the air, I will go over the SoCal Pro Wrestling show that's going on this Saturday. And until uh, we get KZ back on the air. It's uh, March 22nd at the Boys and Girls Club in Oceanside, California. All right. All righty. I think we may be back on the air. Are we back on the air, guys? Okay. I am back on the air. Let's see if we can patch Alex Lane back in here. Jeff, I know you're listening. Hit me up on AIM if you can hear me, please, sir. KZ? Hey, what's up, dude? Hey, hey what's going on? What's going on? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. My, my phone cut off. Um, I'll put out the plugs for Zach, puristillpower.com and fightopinion.com, and he's also the host of Fight Opinion Radio with uh, Jeff Taylor. Um, sorry, uh, my phone fucking went out of whack for some odd reason. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, it's it's very interesting having someone on there that follows the Japanese scene a little bit closer than I do, because uh, you know I'm not pivy on all the booking and everything like that. I just watch the shows and enjoy them. So it's definitely interesting to have someone like Zach on who has uh, very strong opinions about it. Was Was Zach able to answer answer the good questions for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. It, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I would, I've always wanted someone to explain to me. The what what caused the demise in Japanese pro wrestling? Though, because a lot of people attribute it to a couple of different things, and then uh, I've always attributed it to you know the, the split of uh, all Japan and New Japan. I mean, the split of all Japan and Noah, and then um, a lot of people attribute it to the rise of mixed martial arts. And then it's uh, very interesting hearing people's opinions on that because it was, I mean, Japan was the scene. I mean, it's still evident in today's American wrestling scene, at least in the independent scene. 
I mean, it's so heavily Japanese influenced. And I mean, it's just unfortunate that, you know, the scene kind of, you know, quote unquote, died. Yep, I have to agree with you. Um, you know what? I, I think the issue is, I, I think that there aren't as many major players. You know, 93, 94, you had, you had the, the Three Musketeers, you had Kawada, Masawa, Kabashi. You don't, you don't have the guys moving up to that level. That's, I think that's part of the reason why Masawa has not stepped away yet. Yeah, but it, 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 see, what has Masawa done and Noah to create stars? I mean, like, like I said, I haven't followed it that strongly, but I mean, it seems to me like they had something in uh, Mara Fuji but then, like, Masala really pulled the trigger on it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think that, I, you know, I think they dropped the ball. When, when Masala put over, put over uh, uh, Morishima, I, he didn't put him over strong enough to make him. You know what I mean? I think that was the chance, the shot that they had to make Morishima. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And but, do, you, do you believe that Gaijin booking is a... I mean, clearly, I mean, the, the guy Gene, I don't, it seems to me like they're not as important as what they were maybe, you know, in the, in the 90s and, and definitely the 80s. I mean, does it, does it seem like because New Japan and All Japan doesn't have the deals with, you know, the big American company and they can't get, act, I mean, because obviously since the territories are dead, they don't have access to, you know, the really big American workers. Do you think that affects the, the Japanese companies? Um, I think so, but, you know, the what, one of the problems is I, I think that Noah's dropped the ball with Bison Smith. You know, really, I, I, I think that Bison could be a major, major star. That's just me. What do you think? Uh, I've, I've not seen enough of Bison Smith over Noah. I've seen, I've seen a few select matches of him, and, um, I definitely think that because now that I just think about it, I remember a lot of the guys in booking it, you know, and I mean, they brought over the Brodies and the Hansons and the DiBiases and a lot of other people to Japan. And it just seems to me like those, those names hold a lot more weight than, you know, a Briscoe's or, you know, I mean, no offense to the American workers that they're bringing over today, but I mean, if you bring over American independent guys, that's the product you're going to get is the American independent talent. Not, not taking away anything from any of the guys going over there. But, I mean, if you bring over American independent guys, you're going to be getting an American independent product. That's the way in the 80s, you know, they were bringing over guys who from the territories. I mean, the, ter- the, the main eventers in the territories, they could have main evented any company, at least during their era. You know, if this man, if any national company would have been national, you could have taken almost any main eventer from any of the territories. They could have right. main evented for you national. Okay. Do you think Samoa Joe could step in and, and be a major player? In what company? Okay, I'm not going to go with... Okay, New Japan, the power structure is pretty much set, and it's set for the future. They have Nakamura, they have Goto, they have uh, uh, Tanahashi. You know, they're pretty much set. Now, um, all Japan... They're starting to age more like Noah is as well. I mean, Muda, how the fuck is he doing it with no knees? Okay. And, you know, could Joe step right into to All Japan or Noah and become an ace, a top player? I think he has the talent. It, it, it would definitely, honestly, from watching, 
I mean, uh, watching his match against Masawa, I don't know if he is there. I mean, not taking away anything. No, no, away no. Though, I think Alex, also- Alex, Alex, come on. Masawa didn't give him shit. Michelle, Masawa, was, he was there to put Masawa over, and that was all it was. So you can't really judge by that match because Misawa, Misawa knew what he was going to give Joe. Yeah, that was it. Okay, it seems like our show is crossing with someone else on the air. <laughs> uh, is that better? Okay, hold on a second. Okay, that's weird. Okay, hold on a second. Okay, that's that's really strange. Okay, that's really odd. I don't know what the hell's going on. Order this. Order to be salvaged at all. <laughs> that was weird. See, we talk shit about Michelle, and look what happens. <laughs> he crashed Go figure. Internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we got hacked by the old man. It's so sad watching, you know, the old... I have a lot of old Masawa, him, and his matches with Kawada and Kobayashi, and then uh, a lot of other stuff he did. It was just, it's just so sad seeing him now. <laughs> so sad. Sad, huh? It's sad. I mean, you see Kobayashi in uh, six-mans now, where, I mean, Kobayashi gets in there, and he looks strong, and he does what Kobayashi does, and, I mean, it doesn't look as sad as seeing Masawa try to go in there and have a main event match that he's not capable of having anymore. We're back on the air solo. Awesome. We're not overdubbed by another radio show right now. So It's weird. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with the audio. <laughs> it's really strange. It's like clips from earlier in the show. It's fucking Twilight okay. Zone, man. So you think Joe could be a, a top guy in, in in a Japanese company? I think he can. How, how much of this weight do you think uh, the All Japan Noah coming back together, how much weight that'll hold? And do you think that's the answer to Japan coming back to prominence? I think it is. Um, I think what's going to happen is, is they're going to come together. Book. They're going to they're unify stuff. Okay. And I think that... Uh, uh, Muda, Muda will be the president out of the ring. He, I think Muda is going to retire, and that should be about it for him. But it should work. What do you think? Well, I, I have another question on top of that. If this conglomeration does happen, what do you do if you're Tanahashi? Mm. What do I do if I'm Tanahashi? Uh, I would use it as as leverage to get a big money contract with New Japan, and if New Japan won't give it to them, just say, fuck you and leave, and go, go to the, whatever the fuck they're going to be called. Tanahashi, to me, I mean, I, I don't know what it takes. To, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't really understand what it takes for the Japanese, media, uh, Japanese people to really get into a guy. But just watching Tanahashi, it seems to me like he, he is on the talent level of a lot of guys who I've seen in, in Japan throughout history. And just on a pure talent level, Tanahashi is exceptional, and he's able to go in there and have a main event quality, amazing match with anybody that they stick in there. I mean, Nakamura, I mean, 
I mean, the Nakamura angle match, I mean, I had a lot of high expectations going into it because Nakamura looked really good in the Tanahashi match. And then, honestly, I'll say Tanahashi carried Nakamura to a better match than Angle did. You're right. You're right. Now, I would love to see Tanahashi and Morishima. Tanahashi and Morishima, that, that would be a match for the ages. I'm, I'm not a particular fan of Morishima's style, and I, I'm not a, a biggest fan of Morishima in the world. But I think what Tanahashi could do with him, I think it would it would just be insane. And then also, um, I know they had a match a couple of years ago, but I'd want to see today a match between Marafuji and uh, Tanahashi. You never know. It might be on the undercard of the Noah Noah All Japan Dome Show. You never know. <laughs> oh, that you never know. Like All right. Uh, okay. Do you think that Japan is ready for another weekly pro? six-hour all-star show like they had? Oh, man. Um, if, it, it seems like now so more than ever. It seems like the companies are more willing to work with each other than more ever in the history I've ever seen. I mean, the fact that Noah and Dragon Gate have a very open relationship, the fact that uh, New Japan... Dragon Gate with everybody. I mean, it seems like every big show has a Dragon Gate six-man. It really does. Um, Vice, well, it seems like it less so in New Japan, mm. but it, it definitely uh, Dragon Gate. You know, they're definitely friendly with everybody. I mean, more so, you know, with Noah. I mean, the obvious one sticks out the most is Noah, and um, it, it seems like to me that you know if the Japanese companies could get together, they could put on an amazing show. But you know, I'll bring you back. It depends on who puts together the show because I have to say the. The, all, the New Japan Dome show from 2007, I mean, that was definitely, you know, a good mix of, uh, you know, New Japan and All Japan. But, I mean, the, the matches were kind of, uh, you know, stale because, I mean, you could kind of tell who was going to win what match. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm, I, I'm saying, I'm not saying interpromotional matches. I'm saying each company brings a match. You have your Dragon Gate six-man. You have your Michinoku Pro six-man. You, you have your Big Japan garbage match. You know, you you have your your DDT indie sleaze shit. You know, I'm not saying interpromotional. I'm just saying that each company brings a match or two. But then you'd have to. It seems like you'd almost have to do a title. It seems like you'd have to do a title change at a show like that to make it seem important. On then, top, on top, on top. It, it just seems to me like you know. I mean. What, what company would give up the title change? Because obviously, you know, if you do a title change inside of your own company, you know, you could build, you, you know, you could keep 100% of the profit as the way, you know, mm. you'd be splitting it with, you know, it just seems like a lot of political mess right there to really make that successful and work. Well, the, the way it's looking now, it looks like it's going to be uh, either uh, uh, Kensuke dropping the title to Morishima or the other way around, unifying those two. It's not going to be the New Japan title. It's How old is Silver King? You know, we're, we're talking about all Japan real quick. How old is Silver King? Because I saw his match with Nakajima, and he looks, I mean, obviously Nakajima is really young, but Silver King looks really young. I don't remember looking that young in WCW. No, he he's old, though. And you know what, though? He can still go at a top level. Oh, he can. He's fucking still good. And I don't remember, I remember him looking really old in WCW. And then this Silver King, I mean, it's the same guy, but, I mean, he just looks really young, like he's in his it, 20s here in all Japan. 
You know what it is? It's he his his hairline was receding at a young age. That's what it was. Mm. He has a very high forehead because his hairline receded at a very young age. That that's and, what. And him and Nakamura that had a lot of. Uh, I, I know you know like uh, they send a lot of Japanese guys to Mexico so they can learn lucha, and it, and Nakamura. I'm not. I'm, I mean not Nakamura Nakajima. I'm not aware of him going to Mexico at all, but I mean they were working a lot of lucha into their match, you know, uh, and it was it was really good stuff. And that was the first really match I'd seen. I mean I've seen Nakajima on a handful of occasions, but Nakajima looked really really good in that match. Mm-hmm. Have you um, have you seen the Saban Nakajima match yet? I've not seen the Saban Nakajima match. I've heard I've heard about it from Chris Saban, but I've not seen it. You have it. Oh really. Yeah, it's on the Pro Wrestling Love Volume Four pay per view. Oh, all okay. Japan. Yeah. Oh, no, that was the Was it? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I don't think you know what I don't think I no. I just put it on a DVD today, so oh. I will. Uh, I'll get it out to you next time I send it. <clears throat> send you a package, but uh, I have yet to watch it. I was going to watch it right after the show, mm-hmm. since uh, none of my shows are on now, so. <laughs> it's pro wrestling, so. But uh, well, we're running down to four minutes. Um, I'm gonna send out a solid hard plug. If you are anywhere south of Bakersfield this weekend, you need to make your way down to SoCal Pro Wrestling in Oceanside. SoCalProWrestling.com. Um, I am not gonna let the cat out of the bag. But this is a show that you need to attend. Um, that's all I got to say. Uh, if you're down there, also Oscar, who runs LLII Lucha, will be running a show in Oceanside, too? Yes, it's actually right across the street. Oh, really? Yeah, in Oceanside on Sunday. Um, Chimera is on both shows. Chimera is on both shows. Uh, Oscar's bringing in the minis. And also Pandolero 2 against Mr. Tempest, Hair vs. Mask. No, oh, that match is on both shows this weekend. It'll be a yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that the the SoCal Pro match is going to be brutal because I'm sure they're going to want to build to the next to the next day. Um, those that are in Northern California, um, in San Leandro, Pro Wrestling Revolution is uh, having a, a predominantly Lucha-based show they're bringing in the minis. They're bringing in El Eo del Rey Mysterio Jr. or El Eo de Rey Mysterio. I get so damn confused. It's the real Jr. <laughs> um, That's good enough. There's also a show in Concord in Northern California on the 22nd as well. Uh, you can find all that stuff on the Rubber Guard Radio uh, MySpace. Um, let me see. Let's plug the sponsors. FogCityWrestling.com, uh, April 12th, come out. Come out, San Francisco, get there early. Uh, the last two shows, it's been standing room only. We've had to close the doors. Um, also, WrestleWarehouse.com, I got that out of the way. How about you, Alex? Uh, visit my MySpace, www.myspace.com, backslash Saint. add me as a friend, and uh, support your local wrestling scenes. Cool, cool. We will be back on Tuesday with Rob Feinstein of RF Video and the Human Tornado. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to leave the show with a public service announcement once again. So, all right, guys, we will talk to you on Tuesday. On May 3rd, 2008, my wife Jessica will be participating in the Bay Area Brain Tumor Walk. My wife Jessica has overcome and has been brain tumor free for five months. Jessica is collecting sponsors for this very important charity. And if you would like to donate anything, please visit the website www.firstgiving.com backslash Jessica Trites Man. That's J E. S-S-I-C-A-T-R-I-T-E-S-M-A-N-N. Once again, firstgiving.com backslash Jessica Tritesman. And also remember that this is a tax-deductible write-off. So please dig deep into your pockets and support this charity. Um, my family and my wife, we would greatly appreciate it and thank you. And now, a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for action figures, pro wrestling books, pro wrestling gear, title belts, music CDs, t-shirts, replica belts, wrestling DVDs, wrestling masks, wrestling rings? If so, please visit WrestleWarehouse.com. WrestleWarehouse will be able to help you with all of your pro wrestling needs and make sure that you tell them that KZ from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.